Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guest and I share our vulnerable behind the scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of expectations and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity and a licensed professional counsellor in Georgia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. This is episode 14. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you here as always. So today I have a special guest on the podcast. This is actually a follow-up from a Facebook Live I did a few years ago. And actually, well, I mentioned this a bit, but this is the interview I did and I watched it back and I realized I loved what I do. I loved answering questions. I love getting information. And that really made me think about more doing a podcast and interviewing people because it was something I really loved and really enjoyed. So I always want to shout out to my guest, Jared. Thank you so much for that opportunity. Jared is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Georgia. He enjoys working with disadvantaged populations and those who are underserved. He also has an interest in intergenerational trauma. He has been in the mental health field for 10 years. He has experience working in various community counseling agencies and in inpatient psychiatric hospitals. His dream destination is the continent of Africa because that is where his ancestors are and he believes it's pivotal for him to visit there. Fun fact about Jared, he loves watching old sitcoms. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. Hi, Jared. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Um, I'm really happy to have you here and continue a really great conversation we had about three years ago. Yeah. This is about three years ago. Yeah, it's three years Time ago. Flies. Mm-hmm. It was three years ago. So just to give give you guys up to date who may not have seen us three years ago, and I will definitely put this in the show notes. I will put the video in the show notes. Um, so Jerry and I used to work together. He is a therapist. And about three years ago, he put this post out that I have bipolar two. It's two, right? is bipolar 2 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he has um bipolar 2 and i was like oh my god this is so brave and courageous and so i wanted to share with him and talk with him just so everyone can um just hear his journey and his story especially as a black male um sharing that he has mental illness low-key like when I did that interview, that's how I knew I wanted to do more interviews and do a podcast. Just wanted to let you know, Jared. <laughs> oh, <what's> yeah. <laughs> After watching myself back, I was like, this is really cool. I want to do it. So that's how long it takes for things to start. So we had a really good conversation. Like I said, I'll put it in the show note. Um, it was on YouTube. We did it Facebook Live, but we did put it on YouTube. And it was just a really honest and raw conversation of life having bipolar to discussing it your different experiences with it and so i really and we really wanted to do like a bit of a follow-up um from that interview and so i guess my first question is after you did that interview and i don't even remember how many people saw it but what was the response um i i got a very a very positive response a lot of people were you know just saying like you know how it was brave and 
how they, um, you know, wanted to know more about mental illness or mental health, asking me like how I deal with it. Um, just asking a lot of questions about, well, what do you think about if somebody is suffering from depression? How, or how do you, how would you handle that? Or how would you, how would you work with that individual? Or I got asked to be on panels or just one panel. And I got asked to be a part of, you know, different things. And, um, like different talks and things like that. So that was, you know, I got a, a pretty positive after doing that interview, actually. Okay. How did you feel about doing it? I felt pretty good about it. Um, You know, discussing the interview in the first one, like the reason why I put it out there, but, you know, I saw somebody on my Facebook who was struggling with mental illness and he would talk about it a little bit and in a very vague way and I didn't want him to feel alone in in the struggle so it made me you know even put the status out there so for me doing that interview it felt you know it felt good to do it and talk about it some light on it and and things like that and knowing that I'm that this is bigger than me and being a part of something that's bigger than me yeah that's cool Cool. That's always good. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons like I love doing this podcast is to help people see they're not alone. So um, I'll be interesting to see how this one goes. Since all that time, um, like we said, it is three years ago. You was in a really good space then, of course. However, we know, you know, with bipolar it can be up and down um, different challenges. Has it been smooth sailing since the interview? Is everything like perfect and going fine and what's the situation like that so it hasn't been smooth sailing things have transpired within that time um you know i've had positions had a couple med changes and things like that that's the bulk of what what happened and i had another like almost hospitalization but i was able to bypass going to the hospital and just doing like a simple simple like med adjustment and and was able to be all right so i'd like to say that it hasn't been smooth sailing you know like you said with bipolar it can be it, it is up and down it can be rocky especially if you know you're not really adhering to the interventions that are given to you and things like that so yeah so would you say it was the bipolar would you say it was you or is it a mixture of both I think it was a mixture of both. I think it was it was me having episodes along with me not really being medication adherent. Um, you know, because you know you go through periods of time where you take medicine for a good period of time and you start to feel you know you you don't have the you don't have the episodes. So sometimes you you might skip a you might skip a dose here, skip a dose there. Or you may run out and you may say, ah, ask for a cup for like a couple of weeks, you know, or whatever. And But since that time, I did change therapists and I did change psychiatrists. And the psychiatrists I got now, you really got to be on it in terms of, you know, getting in your, you know, making your appointments and stuff. Because it's actually a little bit tough to get a hold of them. So I was running, yeah. And that's, you know, having a lot of clients, a lot of patients or whatever. so. You know, that's really up to me to really be on, to be on it, to be on top of that, um, I should say. 
I've changed therapists and changed psychiatrists and so yeah, I just have to continue to be on, on, on top of it. But it has been a little rocky, not too rocky. Within the three years it, it hasn't been too rocky, but you know, I had life changes and things like that. I didn't I had another daughter, so that adds another layer to it and you know you know, just you know, things happen in life and that can add layers to it that can trigger certain things in me which can trigger like an episode like um you know so how was it dealing with that knowing that you know it was still happening the the you know you you've had it for a while you know you've been accepting of it but you know you had to hospitalization almost a hospitalization and you're like but I, okay, part of me is not doing what I need to do, but I'm doing what I need to do for the most part, but this is still happening. Like, is that frustrating? Yeah, it can be, it can be frustrating because it's, it's, you, 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 you have like this, this thing in your head where it's like, why me? Like, why do I have to take these medications in order to be stable? Like, why can't I just go on with my life and not have to take medications and be, and be perfectly fine? You know, so you have you have that component to it, but I would have to I would be I would be remiss if I don't really say like the main thing was me not taking my medications. And so that's what usually starts. That's what usually like it it, is like just trickled. It just trickles down from there or just spirals out from there. So like when I don't take my medications, it's like an episode is bound to happen. You know what I'm saying? And that's me going like a, uh, some time without taking it. Like it's not me just going a day or two. It's like going like a couple of weeks. Like a know, couple not of weeks. It. Yeah, like not taking the medication. Uh, episode is bound to happen because you know you're taking these strong medications and you can't really play around with them. Like you can't just take them and then stop and then take them again and stop. Like you have to be really consistent with it. And so when you're not being consistent with it, that's when those episodes start to come. So that's what triggered the two hospitalizations and the almost hospitalization. It all was surrounded by, surrounded with meds. Okay. How much does um, being a man and the expectations of manhood and, and things like that play into you taking medication? Does it play into you not taking medication? Uh, For me, I would say it doesn't, you know, like, it doesn't at, it doesn't at all because in order for me to be the man that I want to be I have to take the medications mm. you know what I'm saying so in order for me to be able to take care of my family take care of myself I have to take the medications the part of taking care of myself is me taking my medications you know what I'm saying so it doesn't the whole the whole idea of you know you have to be you know you know not have to be but the whole idea of you know manhood doesn't really play a part in me not taking my medication because I don't look at, I don't look at manhood as this, you have to be strong. You can't be vulnerable or transparent and things like that. I don't look at manhood like that, you know? So I think, I think with that view or not having that view on manhood, I think helps with me taking my medication. Instead of instead of it being a hindrance, how do you view manhood? 
I knew that question was going to come up. Too. You know me. Question. You know me. <laughs> How do I view manhood? I mean, just taking care of your responsibilities, taking care of yourself, taking care if you have a family, taking care of your family. Um, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, I think, is a part of manhood. Um, again, being transparent, whether it's to the world or whether it's to your loved ones, um, I think is a part of manhood. You know, um, you know, again, just taking care of your responsibilities. That's really how I view manhood. But I don't see manhood as this whole, you know, strength. Uh, uh, what's what's some what's some other words that we may use for manhood? Uh, what have I heard? I think strong is 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 the biggest one. Not of course not being, which is the opposite of not being weak. Uh, yeah, being a provider, uh, yeah. knowing everything. I <laughs> yeah, I don't see. I don't. I don't <laughs> view manhood like that. You know, you got to know when to concede. You got to know when to like. I had a like. I was having a conversation with somebody. I'm not sure if I if I was on a on a podcast or if I was. I, I don't. I don't remember what was I. I don't remember what I was doing, but I was doing something like on a Facebook Live or something like that. And I was saying how you know people like you know people look at manhood like yeah you got to be a provider or you got to be the head of the household or you got to be the head. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes and I, and I say with like like with a partner like if 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 my wife is better than something is better at something than me or better at something than me instead of me saying well i'm the man i'm going to take control and i'm going to do it i feel comfortable where i can say you know what this is this is your area of expertise you can handle that instead of me going in not really knowing what i'm doing and trying to take and trying to and trying to take control of it but making more of a mess than being productive. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So just admitting like, I'm not strong in this. Can you do that? Which is the whole point of having a partner, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because otherwise we would do it all by ourselves. But yeah. 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 And community. I know you're very big on community. Yeah. Um, and doing it kind of together and things like that. Cool. Yeah. Does um does your wife play a part in helping you with your um with the mental illness? Absolutely. She plays a big part in helping me with my mental illness. And she knows she knows that there's certain things that she can be there for and there's certain things that she has to allow other people to be there for. So she can't she can't be my therapist, she can't be my psychiatrist, she could be only my wife, you know? And so she can support me in ways that they can, but they can support me in ways that she can. So it's all about really just everybody playing the role that they have in my life so that they can best support me or so that they can best help me support myself at, at the end of the day. And so, or both actually, it's a, it's a, it's a actually a, a, a combination of both, but um, she does. She does play a, a a huge role in in my mental in my mental health because when my mental health is not at its best, or if I'm not in a stable mind mind state, it affects her. You know, it affects my family. It affects the kids. It affects everybody around me. So she 
So in some ways, she she has to be a part of it. You know, she can't just take a step back because once when uh, rubber meets the road, <laughs> it, <laughs> she got it affects her too. So, what is it like being a father? And obviously, now when I spoke to you, you had one. Yeah. Now you have two. Yeah. What is that like? And then having to take care of yourself and knowing, you know, of course, you know, you're still a husband, you're, you're a dad to two now, and then you've got all this other stuff going on. What's that like now? Um, it's, I don't want to say that it's easy, but I don't want to say that in the way of this and how, and how you're asking the question, I don't want to say that it's difficult neither. Because in order for me to handle everything else, I have to take care of myself first. So in order for me to be the person or the father that I need to be to my kids, I need to, to take care of myself first. In order for me to be the husband to my wife, I need to take care of myself first. So that part, me taking care of myself, isn't really hard. It's a matter of taking my medicine, going to the therapist, going to see my psychiatrist, making sure um engaging in some type of self-care activities, you know, or, you know, so that stuff is not really that hard. You know, once you, once you get into, you know, I've been doing it for a while now. So it's, you know, it's like second nature. It's not like I've been diagnosed yesterday, you know, so I've been diagnosed for some time. So it's really just about taking care of myself so that I can, make sure everything else is straight. And I think for me with having kids, I think the 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 biggest the biggest hurdle is when I'm not in a state of mind, not make making sure that they're not seeing everything. But and sometimes that's even difficult because you don't really have that much control. But you know they don't really, my kids haven't really seen that much. In order, they're young, but they haven't seen that much, which is a good thing. But I think another difficult thing about it is I worry if, because, you know, bipolar disorder is hereditary. So I do think like, man, I wonder if one of my kids are going to be diagnosed with bipolar disorder or major depression or something like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want my kids to go through what I've been through, but if they do have to go through some similar experiences, at least I'm well-equipped to help them manage that. Right. Wow. How long have you been diagnosed? Three, maybe like five years now, five, six years, something like that. And just so people know, like, how often do you see your therapist? Maybe I haven't seen my therapist lately in a while. Just because of my just because of my work schedule. When I was going, depending on the need, I would see her every week or every bi weekly. Bi weekly. Okay. How often do you see the psychiatrist? About once every three months. Okay. Just for the med change and check up and see how things are. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. For those people listening who may be struggling with this. Uh, accepting, shall I say, Mm -hmm. bipolar, what would you say? Because I don't know, I I probably haven't shared this with you, um, but recently in July, someone I know, a fellow therapist, completed suicide and they had bipolar. And 
Um, yeah. And um, it was really tough. So, um, and I know they were just diagnosed this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know they had a tough time and were very angry and, you know, frustrated and it was really hard. Um, I think they had like maybe two two hospitalizations. So, you know, I think you said something about not being able to live the life you want or or having to live with it is is really the biggest part. You know, you feel good. And once you feel good, you just want to continue with, a, you know, whatever is called, you know, quote unquote, a regular life. So what would you share now that you're kind of past that acceptance of the diagnosis and living with the diagnosis to those people who are just finding out or just really angry and, you know, with the bipolar diagnosis? I would would share that pretty much it's, you know, and this may sound a a little harsh at first, but I would just say that it's not the end of, that would be my first, it's not the end of the world. There are plenty of people living with bipolar disorder who are what you would say or what you would classify as successful, right? You know, you have people who are, you know, who could, you know, work your jobs or you have people who are bosses or you have people who are doing successful things or who are doing great things rather with the diagnosis and they're and they're okay you know like so just know that you can live with this and be okay you can live with this and still be successful you can live with this or you can have this and still be able to function as a typical or a quote-unquote normal human being you know you just have to work a little bit harder maybe maybe but right because like i said it's really all about seeing your therapist, seeing your psychiatrist, taking your medications, doing some self-care activities. It's all about that. So if you can get that into your routine and really abide by those things, then you can be a successful individual while being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So yeah, it may be a struggle or it may be difficult knowing that you have it, but Again, you can you can be successful or you can be the person that you want to be while having it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I love that I think we're both using that language, of, which often is not used, but we're using the language that it is a diagnosis, right? It's not the person. Often I hear people say, I am bipolar. Um, and I always, you know, say that over and over again it's a diagnosis because you do not say I have a you know I am cold or I am cancer or I am diabetes you say this is what I have this is the diagnosis um and I love the language that you're also using that it you know versus me or I am because I think that's often the thing that people get so stuck on like this is who I am like I have this bipolar and this is who I am so I think that's another important thing to watch the language like language is so important that you use around it because there is this stigma and this is this incorrect information like that's all I am and just talking about stigma you know there's this stigma in just in general about mental health Mm -hmm. um there's incorrect information about mental health um 
I always talk about, you know, it's the illness of the brain and people, you know, there's a difference between the brain and the mind and we have to understand it's a difference of the brain. But then there's this extra layer of in the black community. Yeah. On mental health. What is your experience with this whole stigma? Um, and what would you like to change? I would like to change just the just the fact that there's not that much education surrounding mental health, mental health and the black community, period. You know, like even even when people were reaching out, like when I tell you that a lot of people were reaching out to me, like when I after I like came out and said I had bipolar disorder or I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, like a lot of people were reaching out was like, hey, like, you know, what would you do about with these symptoms or what would, what do you think these symptoms mean? Or just a, a, a ton of questions about mental health. And granted, I have my master's Well, we have our master's and we work in the field and we worked in the psych hospital. So to, for a lack of better words or not even to brag about it, but we, we are quote unquote experts on mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just seeing like some of just hearing some of the questions not saying that they were dumb questions not saying that at all but it just showed the lack of awareness and the lack of knowledge that that's out there on mental health or mental illness in in our communities and you have people who aren't who are okay with that and don't understand that mental that mental illnesses are really out here like killing people yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for real like, yeah it's it's like it's really out here killing people and people aren't really you know it's i don't know i really don't know how to describe it like i don't want to say people just don't care but that stigma is so deep within our community that people are afraid to speak up about it you know like we're starting to see a lot more mental health awareness things going on like which is really good which is really good and um you're seeing a lot more people you know, talk about it, but to me, it's still not enough because the bulk or the majority of people really aren't, it It just doesn't seem like it's on their radar or it doesn't seem like it's real to them. And it's like, this is very real. This is very real. It's out here killing folks. People, we need to spread awareness because people are suffering in silence and that's what sucks. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are suffering in silence yeah. um, because of the stigma. So I thank you for that. I, Yeah, I think you're right in that some of the things that we just know naturally, we feel like everyone knows yeah. um, and they don't. And so that's why I always like to share information and, and, and share things because, you know, I can't just think that everybody knows what I know. Um, yeah because everyone's not exposed to it or used to it or dealt with it. So I totally um, feel you on that. Another thing that you are doing as well, I know is you and your wife are doing a bit more in the um, church. Yeah. And um, mental illness. How did that come about? Well, my wife's dad, but my father-in-law, he's a, um, a pastor and he recognizes the, stigma around mental mental health or mental illness within our community and he you know for the he just he wanted us to come and talk to the church about it and and pretty much see like how 
can the church be involved in either breaking that stigma or helping individuals who suffer from mental illness? So we, you know, put together, you know, like a pre, I don't want to call it a presentation, but we put together, we put together like a, like a presentation for lack of better words. And, you know, we discussed it in the church and discussed, we, it was a lot of education though. That's, that's really what it was. A lot of education, a lot of education. It was very great questions being asked um again just questions being asked because people just don't know right and you know so that's how that's how that came about and that's what we did you know we put together a presentation we talked about it um educated the individuals who were there and you know discussed some of our experiences with it as well and um you know discussed like what some ways how to how the church could could be a part of breaking the stigma, like how can the church support and things like that? So it tur- it was it was a good turnout and um, it was really good. And what was that experience? What was the response? Um, people were definitely were definitely the response was positive. People were definitely um, were happy that we were able to put something on like this because everybody, you know, not everybody, but I mean, if you ask me, I feel like everybody struggles from a mental illness at some point in time in their life. You know, whether we want to talk about it or not, we've all struggled with some type of mental illness because I feel like everybody, everybody's been depressed, whether it's clinical depression or not. Everybody's been depressed, you know, but people always talk about they got that one person in their family that they don't really talk about that much. Or they tell them to stay. They tell you to stay away from, you know, because something's wrong with them. And it's usually a mental illness, you know. Um, So, you know, you got a lot of those type of stories you know, that's coming out and asking how do you handle it and, you know, you know, what do you do? What do you think this is and stuff yeah. like that. So opening up the doors and opening up the dialogue. Did you ever or have you ever experienced you being that person um, where people say stay away from him in the family? Uh, no. Wow. So you were really lucky that you got this, you got, you get a lot of support. Yeah. I'm definitely very lucky within that aspect. Like I have a lot of support from my family, from my friend, you know, so, but it also helps that my, a lot of my friends are in the field and it also, you know, my mom actually, she didn't understand it, but she went and sought out education on it so that she could better support me about it. So, you know, I was lucky. I'm lucky that she even willing to do that. Wow. How does that feel? Oh, it feels good. It feels good. It feels good knowing that I have that support. Yeah, because that's a big part. um, I just want to share on that, having the support. I always talk about, you know, if you need meds, take meds. But I always say therapy, medication, and support system. And it doesn't have to be your family, you know, your family. But having a good support system is a big part of people, you know, getting over a mental illness, um, yeah. getting over, you know, an addiction. Like the support is so, so important. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, really great yeah. in that sense. Do you ever experience any shame or with the bipolar or are you just pretty? Mm-mm. I don't because I know I'm not the the only I'm not the only one with it. I know that there's a lot of people with it. I know there's a lot of people who struggle with it. And 
you know, I, I know I'm not alone within this journey. So I don't feel any shame about it. You know, it's something that's out of my control. It's something that I don't want to say that I develop because you don't really develop bipolar disorder, but is and and I'm not sure if if it's in, if who or if I developed it within my family, but you know, it's just it is what it is, you know, and <laughs> and I just got to do what I got to do to take care of myself. So I don't and and for the most part, I'm pretty successful in managing it whether I had bumps in the road or not you know but I'm pretty successful in managing it and managing my life I mean I do have a master's I have a pretty good career um I have a family everything you know the quote-unquote American dream (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one one question about that. I know you talked about that. We talked it in our previous interview, and I know I see it often. Is the um um people smoking um weed when they have bipolar? And I know you mm. talked about it. What are your thoughts on that? What is your experience, shall I say? So I'm not going to lie. I did have some times where I was self medicating on marijuana, and in those times that I was, I wasn't taking my meds. As soon as I stopped smoking, bam, here's an episode. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, here's my thing. Anything anything in excess is not good for you. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not going to say that if you have bipolar disorder that you, that you can't or shouldn't smoke. But what I will say is if you smoke in excess, it can affect with your medication. Even if you smoke just... I don't want to say occasionally, but even if I would say just be careful with it. That's what I would say, because you are taking medicines that, you know, balance out the chemicals in your brains. And then is and then if you're smoking weed that also interacts with the chemicals in your brain, it can have adverse effects. So that would be my that, those are my thoughts on it. I'm not here to say that, oh, you can or that if you do smoke, that something definitely is going to happen to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that there, that there's a, a causation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. Yeah. But I know there's a, a strong correlation. I know Absolutely. definitely with people who have bipolar and um, smoking weed. Yeah, quite often. Yeah. Especially cool. if you get a hold of some, some weed, that, some bad weed or some laced weed. And then you start having, you know, psychosis and stuff like that. Like I've seen, I've seen that happen to people mm. who weren't even bipolar, diagnosed with bipolar. You know, so you know, you just, you just really have to be careful okay. with it. So, is there any words you want to share with those listening, or any encouragement you want to share? Some words of encouragement, just. You know, don't get discouraged if you have a mental health illness. I mean, it's a it's a part of life. You'll be surprised how many people struggle with it that just don't say anything that you may not even notice, that you may not even know. I mean, if you look at you can look up celebrities that, you know, who are extremely successful and they struggle with mental health illness. You know, so just don't get discouraged. Just know that it's possible to have a mental health illness and still live a 
pretty typical or normal life lifestyle or a lifestyle that you want. Cool. Are there any um, resources or books, websites, or anything like that that you recommend? I haven't read any books about this stuff. Resources. I mean, if you want to look at like worksheets that you can work on, I mean, you can look at therapistaid.com. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with that. Um, if you're looking for therapists, you go to psychologytoday.com. Um, we'll go through your insurance and you could do that for a therapist or a psychiatrist. That's mainly it. Finding things that you love to do as self-care, you know, whether that's working out or playing basketball or I mean, whatever the case may be, read it. Yeah. Cool. And last thing for those who want to comment and shower you with love and thank yous, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Uh, you can hit me up on my Instagram. It is private, so you have to request me first. It is free thought sixteen. I want to say it is. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me look at it. Too many things to remember. <laughs> free thought sixteen. So if you want to hit me up, you hit me up on there, or you can hit up my therapist Instagram, which is j dot washington dot hope. So. That one is not private, so you can definitely hit me up on there. Cool. Thank you. And we put all that information in the show notes for you guys, so you can also get that just in case you couldn't get it all down. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Jared. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Thank you for having me. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following our Instagram, Authentic Wednesday Podcast, and visiting our website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination.